The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its taste, with what can it be seasoned? It is no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city set on a mountain cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and then put it under a bushel basket. It is set on a lampstand where it gives light to all in the house. Just so, your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I was very happy to see this second reading today, along with the other readings, but there's something I want to highlight for us today that Paul is trying to teach us. He said, I came to you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my message and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of spirit and power. Why? so that your faith might rest not on human wisdom, but on the power of God. That's really important. Our faith should not be based on human wisdom, on arguments, but on the power of God. The demonstration of God's power and love and mercy. And that's why Jesus says at the end of the gospel, your light must shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your heavenly Father. In other words, God wants us all to be signs to non-believers that there is a God. But then what must our faith rest on? Signs that God gives us, power that moves in our lives, experiences of God's providence and mercy and love and power. I don't know if you're following this. The fact is that today, persuasive arguments don't cut it. But they didn't cut it 2,000 years ago either. Paul himself is telling us this. How did Paul himself come to Jesus? Do you remember? (laughs) He got, we don't know for sure he got knocked off his horse, but we assume he was riding a horse. He got knocked off his horse. The fact is, we know he went blind. He was blinded by the light. (laughs) For those of you who know the song, right? He was literally blinded by the light. And he heard the voice. And not only did he hear the voice, but his traveling companions heard the voice. And they were scared. They probably fell to the ground themselves, scared, covering their heads. And then he was given instructions to go to Ananias. And Ananias laid his hands on Paul. 
It said, receive your sight, Brother Paul. The Lord Jesus sent me to you. I received a word of knowledge from the Lord. And I'm coming to deliver this message to you. Laid his hands on Paul. Paul regains his sight. Can, could Paul deny what happened to him? Absolutely not. But imagine if Peter or John or James would have tried to meet up with Paul and argue with Paul. Do you think that would have worked? No way. No way. What was Paul doing? He was literally throwing Christians in jail. And he was standing by as they stoned Stephen to death. So we could argue that Paul was an accomplice in the murder of a Christian. That was actually one of the arguments I made to myself in a good way why I could still be called to the priesthood. I said, well, I haven't killed anybody, so maybe I am still eligible. Because <laughs> when I first felt called, I'm like, there's just no way. There's no way God could want me to be his priest. I'm not worthy, right? We all say that, don't we? Whenever we feel like a tug, right? Whenever we sense there's an invitation, I think the natural response we all have is, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I know you're all raising your hands inside, right? <laughs> We've all felt that. But God says, it's not about that. I'm not choosing you because you're good enough. I'm choosing you out of love because I have a plan for you. That's why I'm calling you. And I've just showed it to you in power, with signs and wonders, with words of prophecy. So I think we have to take this to heart and we have to be bold in our own prayer, number one, so that, our faith, so that our faith would increase. It's not bad, it's not wrong to ask for signs. The, the time in the gospel when Jesus rebukes certain people for asking for a sign, it's because they didn't want to believe. They really didn't want to believe. And I say this all the time, at the end of the day, people believe what they want to believe. Amen? At the end of the day, people believe what they want to believe. And Jesus knew they didn't really want to believe that he was the Christ. So they were demanding a sign. And that's why he called them a faithless generation. But to everybody else, as Jesus went about his public life, as he went about preaching, his proclamation of the gospel was always accompanied with demonstration of power. The words that he spoke were accompanied with wonders. And the speech was accompanied with signs, you could say. And the miracles pointed to the veracity of the message. They confirmed the message. And the ultimate miracle was rising from the dead. Because people could have attributed perhaps tried to explain away all the other miracles, but he even let them put him to death. 
to destroy sin and death once and for all and to rise from the dead to give us new life. That's the miracle of miracles. So do we need miracles to believe? Yeah, we kind of do. And even for us today, I would say for our faith to be awakened, for our faith to grow stronger, we need miracles. We need signs and wonders. There's a great documentary out, just came out. It's called Revive. And it was, uh, it, it takes place primarily at Lansing Catholic High School, so right here in Michigan. And so a team of Christians, and on their team was a priest, went to Lansing Catholic High School a couple years ago, and they had a healing service. And all sorts of kids and teachers and faculty were, were healed of different things. And they were prepared. One kid even, uh, he was colorblind, but then he regained his ability to see color. Another kid who had big, thick glasses just took off his glasses. He says, I don't need these anymore. Some coach who had a really bad shoulder, you know, couldn't even do push-ups, got down on the ground and gave him 20 right there on the gym, you know, on the gym floor. Do you think that increased the faith of these kids that day? Absolutely. Does it increase your faith just to hear a story like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. If it happens to you, all the more, right? And it just doesn't have to be a miracle per se, but an experience of God's presence, of his goodness, his mercy. And that we can always pray for as well. And I think for those of you who have come to my Tuesday nights here, you kind of get that by now. That as you come forward to touch Jesus, to touch the humeral veil that I'm holding to use to hold the monstrance with the Blessed Sacrament, like people get zapped. If you've been here on a Tuesday and you've come down and you've gotten zapped, raise your hand. All right? Yeah. And... You know, you'd have to ask them, well, what does that mean? You know, well, it means something different for all of them. Sometimes they get visions that come to them in their imagination. Sometimes they tingle all over the place. Sometimes just this wave of emotion comes over them and they can't stop crying. Amen? I hear a lot of tears, by the way, when I stand there. Like, you know, people are touched. They're touched by the love of God, they're touched by the Holy Spirit that increases their faith. It increases my faith just to hear everybody, you know, moved to tears, so to speak. And when they share their testimonies with me, that increases my faith. So let's pray for an increase of faith. Because faith is not just believing in God's existence. But I like this definition of faith. It's where we lift up our minds and our hearts to a reality that is unseen and we invite it to come down into our lives. So in a sense, we invite heaven to come down to earth through faith. It's what we do at every Mass. Through the faith of the faithful and the priest and the prayer of the priest, we have what's called the consecration. 
The Holy Spirit comes down and literally transforms the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. And you come forward and I say the body of Christ and you say, Amen. I believe. I believe that's the body of Christ. And maybe it's become a habit, a routine, and so it doesn't impact you anymore the way it used to. I bet you we can all remember our our first communion. Believe it or not, I was the only boy not wearing a tie at my first communion. And I think I'm the only priest from that group. So if your little boy doesn't want to wear a tie on his first communion, it's okay. He might turn out all right. And all the other moms came up to my mom. They're like, that was such a good idea. He'll actually wear that sweater again. She's like, well, it wasn't my idea. Because I, I told God, when I grow up, I don't want to have to wear a tie to work. God's like, all right, I can take care of that. You'll wear a collar. Be careful what you ask for, right? (laughs) So let's pray with greater boldness, with greater faith, with greater hope, greater expectation that God will reveal himself to us when we open our minds and our hearts to experience his presence because he's everywhere and he is in our hearts And he does want to speak to us. And he does want to bless us. He does want to console us. He does want to encourage us. He does want us to feel good about who we are. He wants to affirm us. Because he's our loving father and savior and friend. He wants us to feel good about who we are because he made us. He feels pretty good about who we are. You know, so much so that he chose to die for us. That's how good he feels about us. That's how determined he is, not not just to get us to heaven, but to put heaven into us. Because when he ascended to the Father, what did he and the Father do? They said, let's send the Spirit. Let's, Let's put heaven into our children right now. Why wait? Why wait? They couldn't wait. They loved us so much, they couldn't wait. We're sending the Spirit. And that's what the kids are going to receive today. How many of them really get it? I don't know. Let's pray that they get it. Right? Let's pray that they all be touched today in a powerful way, that they be moved. Right? The word emotion has that Latin word movere in it. What does movere mean? To move, right? God wants to move us. But what is ultimately going to move us? It's an experience. An experience of the love of God, the power of God, the beauty of God, the goodness of God. And yes, the truth of God. For sure. We don't divorce the truth and logic from our experience of God. But it doesn't depend on that. It depends on this experience, this power this glory, this love. So let's pray today that we can all experience this. As we come for Holy Communion, as we pray, as we sing, let's pray that we can experience the Lord in a new way today. 
And from that experience, that we keep seeking his face and his love, and that we allow him to move us according to the great purpose that he has for each and every one of us. Amen.